Welcome to this recording of the Activist Lawyer podcast brought to you from the Granite Podcast Studio in the heart of Newry City. We are delighted that you could join us at Activist Lawyer, a new podcast and online forum where we will be discussing all sorts of matters, including current issues as they unfold. We'll be engaging not only with lawyers, but people who are committed to highlighting and combating injustices and inequalities. We will bring you our thoughts and invite you to share yours. We'll be looking for contributors to our blog at www.activistlawyer.com as we want your perspective as we unravel and unpack so many important topics. My name is Sarah Henry and I am a solicitor practicing in Newry City. I worked with the human rights firm in Dublin for many years and with a number of rights-based organisations and charities. So I'm joined here by Jessica Phillips who is our podcast manager, producer, <laughs> editor extraordinaire um, and Jessica, you've been doing loads to help us out with the whole International Women's Day theme for March. Yes, we've been very busy um, with the Choose to Challenge. Thanks everyone who has submitted a photo so far. We're loving seeing them. Um, and we have blog posts that are being still submitted by students. There's no like end date. Um, so keep bringing them in. We love reading them and we will get back to you and hopefully publish you. Yeah, so if you check out our activistlawyer.com website, you'll see that we've been looking for students to submit blog articles and human rights issues, public law matters, anything that we're covering here and um, whether that relates to their own practice, their own part of the world. So we're really impressed with what we've got in and Jessica's managing <laughs> all of that. And of course, our hashtag choose to challenge um, social media campaign has already kicked off. So check us out online for that. Today, we are joined by our second guest who has recorded already um, mm -hmm. as part of our International Women's Day theme for March. And it's Reverend Karen Sederaman, who is the first woman Baptist minister in Northern Ireland. So we'll get into Jess, um, Jessica's here with me just to kind of chat about the, the opening of that piece. But Karen will discuss her journey. And it's, it's so interesting. Um, we've listened to it already. <laughs> and she primarily touches on the issue of gender equality within the church. But there's much more to it than that. She refers to her church, but generally, obviously, the context applies to any religious construct and does not, which does not permit women to participate in any meaningful way like she currently is doing and she really is doing that. But I felt, and you, you'll notice this Jessica, after that recording, I was really just uplifted. Floating. <laughs> I was floating. I just felt so, it was inspired. so inspiring and positive. She's such a great speaker. And what she spoke about was the future of the island of Ireland based on this concept of neighbour. Who's our neighbour? And what she says, which really took me away, was well, regardless of your beliefs, your background, your ethnicity, this is our home. Northern Ireland, Ireland, this shared island is our home. We're all here. We own it. Now we all must be part of its future. And I think it's really relevant, um, particularly these days when, you know, it's difficult times, challenging times, um, you know, about our little part of the world. So, Really hope you all enjoy it and thank you for listening again. Bye. Bye. Hello listeners to Activist Lawyer, our Activist Lawyer listeners I should say. Uh, we hope you enjoyed last week's episode with campaigner and activist Emma D'Souza. We are joined today um, as part of our series again, our International Women's Day Stroke Month series, by another fantastic guest, Reverend Karen <laughs> Sederaman, who is the first female Baptist minister on the island of Ireland. 
She's currently a pastor of a peace and reconciliation hub based in Belfast. And as a champion of social justice, Karen feels particularly called to minister outside the church walls. She's a columnist for Belfast Media Group and is the former chaplain to two Belfast Lord Mayors. Welcome, Karen. (laughs) Hi, thanks for having me. This is great. Thanks for asking me. Absolutely. uh, Our pleasure. And we were just there in our our little chat beforehand, again, talking about the weather, which is probably coming across as really boring now all the time, where it's like, yeah, it's a wet day here in the Granite Podcast (laughs) Studio. Today is actually a beautiful, fresh spring day, which has brought um, cheer to everybody here around us, which is fantastic. What's it like your your way, Karen? Yeah, it's absolutely beautiful here. Uh, Earlier on this week, I, I went for a walk on the beach and I tweeted a picture saying, Spring is coming, the weather's beautiful, and then the very next day there was like a storm. <laughs> it's like we get all the four seasons in one day, so so here's hoping that the weather stays today. It will. We, we need it. I think we all need it, and it really does something to cheer us all up. Well, we are joined uh, with um, by yourself by phone, albeit uh, by phone on this, this fresh spring day, and still mindful of COVID and the times we're in. So really, thank you so much for giving up your time today. And I think it's going to be a really interesting month of recordings. Uh, we're covering a lot of issues and today is no different. We're going to get stuck in here. Um, Karen, as discussed in our opening piece this month, the month of March, obviously we're focusing on women. I've mentioned it already. I don't like to say women's issues because that phrase tends to separate and siphon off issues that we are in fact, that are in fact important to society at large. Um, gender equality is really where we're going to kickstart with yourself and you will have a particular angle on this gender equality and the church and you know it's probably still seen somewhat as a very patriarchal institution uh, regardless of which faith one belongs to but I guess some faiths have perhaps moved on a little moved with the times the fact that you're a woman minister is testament to that but we can talk about if you're happy enough to do so your experience and your journey first of all and perhaps the challenges that you faced as a woman within the church yeah sure thanks Sarah I um yeah, gender equality uh, is very much lacking behind uh, in the church and the faith arena. Uh, I find that really heartbreaking because you think it would be the very place um, if we truly believe in an inclusive gospel gospel that would be that would be championing this and running forward with it. So, but the church has a long way to go. I, gu- I guess the first time that I recognised, uh, in a sense, that this was going to not be, as you say, not an issue, but um, where it was going to become something in my life was in my teens. Uh, I, I, I grew up in the church. I was sent to church in Sunday school. Uh, I loved the youth group. I hated the church in the sense that it was boring, but I am thankful for all the teachings and things. But I remember in my teens being taught uh, that women are not to be in leadership roles. Mm-hmm. And um, and they based it on a few verses that, that they believed instructed women to be silent. Uh, and And that, it's bizarre because they, they would encourage you to go ahead and be a brain surgeon or be a lawyer or a hairdresser. But this is the one area that, that, that according to their biblical belief, that you cannot uh, step into. And that's okay if you are called to do something else. Mm-hmm. The, the difficulty with me is that as I got into my late teens and early 20s, I did, uh, the church calls it a sense of call. And I did go through that season. Mm-hmm. But for me, it was like stepping into something and having nowhere to go. Right. Um, I started my theological training. When I started that training, I remember the difficulties with that. 
Uh, I was told I wouldn't get a job in Northern Ireland. Uh, I grew up in the Baptist tradition. The Irish Baptists do not currently uh, ordain women. Um, I was told, uh, I remember one particular lecture, um, you know, always making reference that I had kids and I should be at home with my kids. Oh. And, and it was a very difficult season. And, and I do remember another female pastor saying to me, welcome to the boys club, Karen. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, and, and, you know, there's, there is truth in that. Um, yeah. But, but yes, but, but there comes a point where the calling, I mean, if I'm honest with you, Sarah, if I had a choice in life, I'd want to be a human rights lawyer. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something I've always wanted to do. But, but this deep sense of call that I've been called to do this was something that I couldn't, uh, I, I just couldn't ignore. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, it's, it, it is. So yeah, I went on ahead. I did my I did my theological studying, um, stepped into ministry. wasn't ordained, but part of a, a leadership team. So they were happy for me to be part of the team, but not to be ordained. Wow. Um, and then, cut a long story short, uh, the Baptist Union of Great Britain, which is a, a, a bigger, wider network, uh, ordained me, and 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 that that means I'm the first Baptist minister in Ireland. So. Wow. Such a journey. And I mean, I guess you still face challenges. I mean, you know, although you were allowed to proceed and, you know, I mean, I'm sure that was a big achievement. However, a lot of people would still feel that women should not be that involved and, you know, at that level within the church. And I'm not just referring to to your church, but in general, people would still hold those views that this is not where you should be and yes be involved be part of the community be part of a team as you say but you know that's where it ends so I guess how do we you know overcome this I mean we're in 2021 and you're the only mm-hmm. woman who has been ordained <laughs> at that level I mean it doesn't it's fantastic and it, that's why we have you here it's fantastic to have you on but there still seems a lot of work to do how do we overcome these challenges there's a, yeah there, there, there's a there's a lot of work to do um, I love that I've been recent re- uh, reading recently that the United Nations have tabled this, the whole idea of gender and religion. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think that's really important because uh, the reality is that the way that church stands today and whatever tradition we belong to, mm-hmm. it is male-dominated. Uh, the teachings of the church are male-dominated. The decisions are male-dominated. Mm-hmm. And I guess, I guess, you know, what, what I would say, I think, I think it's, I think it's important to note that there are many women who have gone before me. Mm-hmm. Um, I may only be the Baptist women, woman minister on the island of Ireland, but there are other women ministers from different denominations. Uh, there are other women right across the UK and across the world. And I think every day they are paving their way. Um, I don't want to go too much into this, but I think it's a theological issue. Um, the church seems to batten down the hatches. They don't want to come to the conversation. And I think that and I did say this in the TEDx talk, I don't believe the church will reach her full potential when you hold back women. Because this isn't just about women at the leadership table. This is about how it affects our teachings to do with marriage, Mm -hmm. how we treat treat our LGBT plus community, how women are treated. And and an example of that is the mother and baby's home. Uh Um, so, So there's a lot wrapped up in this. This just isn't about let women be ministers. This is about a toxic, what I believe to be a toxic teaching um, that that really is um, a tragedy for the church. Mm -hmm. 
It really is. And you mentioned there, just for listeners, the, the TEDx talk, it's gender equality in the church. And I listened to that, Karen. I was just blown away. It was absolutely brilliant. So if any of our listeners do Thank get a you. chance, it's part of the Bold and Brilliant series. It was recorded last year, I think, or maybe the year before. I'm not yeah, sure. the year before. Yeah, well, no, that, it wasn't last year, it was the year before. The year before. That goes through your journey as a from a young girl. And it's so inspiring for anybody just to listen to and see, you know, the challenges that you faced. You also mentioned there as well, you had, you know, aspirations to, to become a human rights lawyer and activist. And I guess the fact that you mentioned that you felt a calling to minister outside of your church. I mean, that mm-hmm. really combines, I suppose, your aspirations, your, you know, this need to, to maybe um, represent and ch- challenge um, issues that arise within our society and acknowledging yeah. I suppose this kind of sense of personal social responsibility that we should all have I follow you on Twitter <laughs> um, Twitter is like my main source of everything these days and I don't really tweet that much myself I'm more of a retweeter and I, I noticed some of the phrases that you were using and putting out there around neighbour what it means to be mm-hmm. a neighbour and this sense of community and perhaps looking at our neighbour neighbor as a reference point for change I guess um, how's that going? Is that something you want to pursue or, you know, how does that affect your work? This kind of looking to our neighbour for, you know, to get things started yeah. rather than just looking to politicians or, you know, leaders. Yeah, sure. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, Sarah, whether folks have faith or not, um, there, there's something we can learn from this agent question. Who is my neighbour? It's found in Luke chapter 10. Um, and I, I have done a lot of work around this simply because I'm involved in, in peace and reconciliation work and championing gender equality and, and, and so on. Um, and, and it's a very basic story that is told that I think becomes the foundation for us because I, I, I do have a vision of a, of a nation of neighbours. Mm-hmm. I want to live in a nation of neighbours. And I want to figure out what it means to be a good neighbour and to live with my neighbour. And the story simply is about a man who's beaten up, left on the side of the road to die. And it tells the story of people who look at him and they walk on by, they cross the road. Interestingly, the religious people, the religious men, but will not go into that. There's all sorts of theological reasons for that uh, on the table. But the most important thing is that someone from the other community, this guy was a Jew, Someone from the other community stopped, knelt down into the dirt and dust and helped his neighbour. And for me, something significant happened in that story that helped springboard us to create a nation of Mm neighbours. What if we stopped crossing the road? What if we decided to stop and get down and do the hard work with our neighbour? What happened in that story was that, that the Samaritan encountered his own humanity You know, something happened in that moment that when he saw the wounded and injured man, he saw his own humanity. And there is something about recognition of the other and recognition that I am your neighbour and you're my neighbour. And listen, this this is where people of faith and no faith and all faith can gather round because there is something about the common humanity that when we work together, I believe we find our common ground, which is our shared values and goals. And then we begin to work and walk towards our common good. Mm-hmm. And that's what I would love to see Ireland be in. And I did share that uh, on a recent conversation that I was part of with Ireland's future. Mm-hmm. Because I truly do believe, and actually interestingly, Sarah, uh, this is the very story that Martin Luther King used to springboard his campaign for racial justice. 
Mm-hmm. And so whenever I began to do a lot of work on it, I think everything, certainly my work as a minister, my work for social justice, my work for equality has to center on this. Um, so, yeah, I think it's something we can all learn from. Yeah, regardless of whether, as you said, all faiths, no faith, whatever, coming together to th- take that as your starting point and your reference point. And I guess in Northern Ireland, just focusing on our little part of the world again, I mean, there's, you know, we've always needed that really, whether it's happened or not. I mean, that's another question. It hasn't, I think the case is. But now, you know, we're such a multicultural, diverse society and we fail to recognise that still, you know, when mm-hmm. there's mm-hmm. two communities only and you're part of this one or you're part of that one. And that is not reality. That is, we're, we're so far removed from that. Um, so it's starting with this concept, who is my neighbour? And how can we, I suppose, when it comes to bigger decisions, I guess, a lot of us kind of sit mm-hmm. back and watch what our executive is doing. We watch what our elected representatives, we watch whether it's in the Republic of Ireland or in, in the UK, you know, working together on issues that affect us here. But really, how can we as citizens galvanise? How do we get around the table and maybe, you know, ensure our voices are heard across a spectrum of society as opposed to just kind of sitting back and letting things unravel as, as we often do? Can you see, you know, how do we become more inclusive and include our voices? Yeah, I think the other thing I would want to mention about who is my neighbour is that in that recognition of the neighbour, it never diminished the other guy's identity. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important to say. Listen, I think if we're going to create a, a nation of neighbours, an island of neighbours, um, I think the starting part is recognising that we want to be a community, a united community. That, that Latin word communitas is brilliant because it means that sense of togetherness and coming together. And that time where we can get our heads together, um, it doesn't mean that, and I did say this in the conversation with regards to the Ireland's future, the starting place is not, okay, here's our home, uh, let's involve this person and that person. The starting place is that this is already our home. No one is an addition. Whether you're it's a loyalist community or a nationalist community, Muslim community, traveling community, the starting place is this is already our home. But I think that for many of us, Sarah, people are questioning, can we make our home better? And that's where the whole who is my neighbour comes into play. Because the whole idea of communitas, the whole idea of sense of togetherness is creating a place or a forum forum where we can come together. And I said this, I do think the way to do this is um, to lead, to sort of take it off, in a sense, not off, but work hand in hand with the politicians that it doesn't necessarily become politically led, but that it becomes also people led. And I think the way to do that is is through a citizens assembly or a forum. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know they've been set up before in Ireland. I know yeah. they've made decisions regarding uh, equal marriage and women's rights. Um, and I, I, I would actually be, be calling for a funded citizens forum because I think this is massive. This, this yes. is about constitutional change. This is going to need a lot of work. And it's going to need real experts to be working away. But I mean, you would know as a lawyer, I mean, as far as I know, a a citizen's assembly provides a place where we can learn from each other, where we can listen to each other. And I mean, really listen to each other, including the voices that we don't want to hear. And it provides a place for decision making and deliberation and for dialogue. And as I said before, it takes the conversation beyond 
the politicians. And I think that that's really important. And listen, I think one thing I would want to say as well is that, you know, I think sometimes when we think of these conversations, and if you connect it to the who is the neighbour, it is easy to cross the road. I don't want anything to do with that. I'm not taking part in that. But, you know, there's something about equality that we have a responsibility for what we pass on to those that come behind us. Mm -hmm. And so I would appeal to those who really just want to keep crossing the road, don't want to take part, don't want to hear it, I would say, listen, is this the best that you want to pass on to your children and your grandbabies? Mm -hmm. Because I think a forum, a people's assembly, gives us the opportunity to really cast vision, to discuss the plans, the problem solve, and, you know, whether we're from the north and the south, to find our common ground, to talk about our health service, our economy, to pull in the experts, Mm -hmm. and begin to really create a better home for all of us. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think, I mean, I, for one, and I've mentioned this before, we had a lawyer on, Kieran O'Hare. We were talking Mm -hmm. about a Citizens' Assembly in respect of, again, this shared Ireland, this, you know, it's really gaining momentum because of where we are politically at the moment and that there is, you know, the potential there for fracture fractures and maybe a threat to stability etc etc brought on by Brexit and a combination of things but we are where we are and I think the conversation around the shared vision the shared Ireland we have mentioned it before just about the citizens assembly and I've seen those in action having worked in the Republic of Ireland for many many years and having actually Mm -hmm. been involved in just on the sidelines but in respect of the citizens assembly there and seeing how it works but when it comes to massive constitutional change it is essential that we are not just Mm -hmm. leaving this in the hands of politicians and I think it's given people that voice again you know whoever it is and and even if you don't agree with them all of those voices are to be heard these are seismic this is a seismic moment it might not happen for some time but at least we're talking about it and people like you and other campaigners as well getting the message out there about how important it is to have um, this inclusivity uh, from people led as you said Um, so yeah Mm -hmm. it's really really important and I guess it's just going to the momentum will grow around that discussion and it's how we bring people along with us you know how how leaders can bring people along with us and we we mentioned the very first episode Ruth Bader Ginsburg the Supreme Court Justice and you know when she had an idea or something that she would want to introduce change you know whether it was a small change or a seismic change she had a way of bringing people along with her and that was through discussion inclusivity Mm -hmm. hearing the other person's viewpoint so we're kind of at a similar juncture here and I, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how that evolves and I hope you continue that because you're already doing fantastic work um, around that and you know bringing your ideas forward as well and sort of keeping on a similar topic we mentioned there the choose to challenge is the theme for International Women's Day this year um, which will probably be no doubt a very interesting year ahead like last year what does this mean just to you is this important I mean how do we inspire others to you know work in the way that you're doing or communities to get involved to to own their voice and how do we maybe smash stereotypes that exist you've already done that within within the (laughs) church but how do we really inspire others to do this and how do you interpret that uh, theme I guess yeah I I love I love that theme choose choose to challenge Mm. um, because Again, it relates to who is my neighbour. Rather than cross the road, yes. let's stop and challenge this. Let's deal uh, with this. I think there are a number of ways I think we can do it. First of all, to, 
to actually do something. Um, and it can be as simple as recognizing what's happening around us. Uh, I would always look for role models, mm-hmm. get involved in organizations. Always remember, particularly as women, and I mentioned this earlier, uh, that there are so many women in all sorts of arenas who are leading the way. Um, and I think, you know, look for those role models and, uh, you know, be, be willing to encourage conversation, uh, to educate people, uh, to train people, to invest in our young people. Uh, I think mentorship is important. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I think as well, the power of story. Uh, I think those of us who are involved in these things, it's, it comes from a, a place where we've been catapulted because it's been our experience and our story. Mm-hmm. You know, so when I talk about gender, it's because I know what it is to be unheard and undermined and misrepresented and misunderstood. Yeah. Um, so there is something about the power of story that can really uh, push people uh, uh, to, to want to challenge, to want something better. And I also think as well that we need to remember that in this whole area of challenging, uh, that we're companions in it. Yeah. Uh, it's not a competition. We're not here that our organization is better than yours or whatever. The purpose of this is that we really do create a place of equals. Mm-hmm. And I think that that, you know, that whole idea of choose the challenge. And um, there's a guy called Bonhoeffer, um, who's a, a kind of a, a theologian. And uh, he, he says these words that really get to my heart. He says, we're not called to simply bandage the wounds of victims beneath the wheels of injustice. We are to drive a spoke into the wheel itself. Mm-hmm. And uh, there are those words grip me even as I read them yeah. because... We can, we can say, well, what about race or what about sexuality or what about gender? But we've got to be willing to actually get the spoke and to actually drive a spoke into that wheel of injustice. Mm-hmm. And so I think the challenge in terms of women uh, is, is, to, is to really, in a sense, be part of that. Why would you not? Why would you not? Because this affects all of us. This affects all of us. Why would you not? That's the thing. It's not just focusing. It always drives me a bit mad when it's about women's issues. And these are stuff that women have to deal with. And it's not. It's inclusive. It's all society together. That's what matters. And I suppose young girls as well. I have a seven-year-old daughter. And she was saying, who's coming on the podcast today? And I mentioned yourself (laughs) and just touched on your story a little bit. And she just finds this. What? That she was, you know, are there not more women? I said, no, you know, this is still a challenge. This is something we have to overcome. But I think you're right about storytelling. And that really resonates, especially with younger women as well and girls yeah. who like to, like she's, she's, we're so lucky today that we have so many resources, whether it's through social media or whatever. Uh, we didn't have them when we were young. This just did not. Exactly. Just could yeah. not tap into anything. But there's great resources for young girls in particular, to read about, you know, as you said, you could look at somebody in leadership, so a role model, which is really important for a young person to connect to and, and learn about their story, whether they're from here or elsewhere. And it really yeah. starts that kind of, you know, from that early yeah. age, understanding that there are challenges that we still need to overcome and getting young children, not just girls, young children, yeah. thinking about this. And, I, you know, thankfully we do have a lot there and a lot of resources and mentors and people like yourself who are using, you know, social media, for example, to, to put that message out there. And that's really the positive um, side of that and the benefits that we, we reap from that are really invaluable. So, And um, wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great if we had, I mean, I would love a resource like that. Yeah. For, for the island of Ireland, yeah. you know, where stories are told, 
we are gifted as an island. We have so many leading women, mm-hmm. you know, like yourself in law or the arena of education or media or politicians. And there's so much that I just love the idea of a little girl picking up a book and reading about those who have gone before her. I think a lot of the stuff I've read are very American. And yeah. and I think the one thing I would want to say, and, and I've said this before, um, you know, sometimes I think as girls, and certainly when I look back at my own story and as a young woman, we kind of come cap in hand, almost like apologizing. You know, I'm so yeah. sorry. I'm here in the boys club. I'm a female. Yeah. But actually, we need to turn that on its head and remember but women are leading the way. We're just waiting for the men to catch up. Absolutely. <laughs> we need to remember that. We, we are already leading the way. It's the men who are behind yeah. in terms of gender equality. And I think that that's really important for our young our young girls to remember. Absolutely. Well, slightly related, and I suppose it's what we, we finish all of our episodes on, is just reminding ourselves, I guess, why we started this podcast, which is called Activist Lawyer, obviously challenging the attack. We say this all the time. It was made on not just lawyers, but it was campaigners and so-called these do-gooders, you know, pesky do-gooders getting in the way of everything. But um, it kind of leads on from our, our discussion there now. Why do you think activism is important, you know, just in general? And why should we keep the momentum going? And how do we um, ensure that, you know, it has a place in society, especially these days? Yeah, I mean, I think I think activism is critical because I think it goes beyond the talking shop. And we're, we're then actually doing something about it. And yeah. I think it's the whole idea of rallying around our neighbour. If we see someone suffer, if we see someone suffer simply because of their race or their sexuality or their gender, mm-hmm. then we have a we have a duty and a role to our neighbour to rally around them and do something about that. Mm-hmm. And so it, that that's the simple answer for yeah, me, Sarah. No, it, Activism is 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 a, it has to happen because yeah. we need to go beyond the talk and shop. Mm-hmm. So brilliant. Absolutely. Well, look, that um, that flew <laughs> flew by, but we covered uh, quite a lot. We could probably talk again, I'd say, for for hours and end about all of these issues, and we'll definitely have you back on just to touch base I again. I love talking to you, but, Sarah. Um, well, in the meantime, thank you so much for coming no, on and being you. part of this series um, focusing on International Women's Day Stroke Month. And yeah, it'll be great to catch up again. Thank you so much, Julie. Thank you, Sarah. No worries. Take care. This podcast was recorded in Granite Podcast Studio. Interested in starting up your own podcast but don't know how? Granite Podcast Studio can help. Record your podcast in our state-of-the-art studio, which is based in the heart of Newry City. Our studio has cutting-edge and user-friendly technology and can seat up to four people. We also provide an editing service for our team using your guidance and editing notes to provide you with a flawless finished product, leaving your listeners wanting more. For more information on how you can get started, visit www.granitepodcaststudio.com.